This morning, I want to uh, just kick into a little bit more on this theme of the kingdom of God that last time I was with you a few weeks ago, we started to explore together. And I, But I also want to touch on this whole area of something that I think is um, really exciting to be a part of, and that is that by being a part of the kingdom, God invites every single one of us to participate in what Jesus is doing. Um, you know, the historical sort of situation is that, um, you know, people get, they get trained in all sorts of theological training and then they, then they get given the nod and they become spiritual experts and they lead churches and, and so forth. But unfortunately, the historical church, um, you know, for many years has just created a bit of a gap between the guys and the girls who are up the front doing the stuff and telling people how it should be done, but no one in the, the but the actual people they're talking to actually never get mobilised in doing what it is that the people up the front are telling them that they should be doing. And so there's this big gap between oh we know we should be doing something because we're the church we're the people of Jesus, but we actually don't have the tools and no one's actually shown us what to do. I remember um, one of the most exciting things that I got to see in uh, in the early 90s at a conference that I attended was I got to see uh, John Wimber uh, come with a group of people from the United States who were very ordinarily dressed. There was nothing particularly striking about them in terms of their dress code. Uh, they they I thought they chewed gum like crate like cows, you know. Like, I just discovered that's an American thing. But anyway, they were chewing gum. They were dressed very, just every day, very ordinarily, and um, and they were they were doing things in the name of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit that just completely captivated me. Didn't just captivate me. At this time in the early nineties, there was a great move of the Spirit through the whole church. Now, when I say the whole church, I mean the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, Lutheran Church, United Churches, Baptist Churches. I mean churches of every persuasion. Right around Australia, when uh, when John Wimber was here in the early 90s, one of the particular graces that was on his life was helping the people of God actually engage in the ministry of God and taking what was up to that point a ministry that was on the platform to a ministry that was in the hands of the saints, in the hands of the people to be able to do the stuff of Jesus. And when I saw this in action and in real time, I was like, that's where I want to play. I want to be on the front edge of that. I don't want to ever be a part of something that's not mobilising and equipping people to know how to do what Jesus does. And so that sent me and Nick, after not long after that meeting, Nicole sent the both of us on a journey where we were like, God, we want to do what you do. We want to see and speak and do what Jesus does. And so this morning, I want to begin a journey where we actually unpack that a little bit, that everyone gets to do the works of Jesus, irrespective of their age, irrespective of their stage of life, we get to do what Jesus does. There's a story in the historical narrative of of the Vineyard Movement where or and in the testimony of John Wimber 
if you've read it or watched it online, you can you can um, watch little snippets of his testimony on YouTube and so forth. But he tells a story of how not long after he had given his life to Jesus, he um, ends up, his friends come and visit him and take him to church. And so they go to church and by this stage John has um, had a, 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 enough of an interest of an encounter with Jesus that John was ready to make some significant changes to his lifestyle. So he goes to church, they do. They go to the church service and the church service rolls through and, you know, then it's amen, see you later, have a great week. And John was thoroughly disappointed and he turns to his friends who had invited him to church and he said, when do we get to do it? And his friend says, do what? He says, the stuff in the book, when do we get to do that? And he said, I gave up drugs for this. He was, he was, in other words, what he was saying is, I am making a really significant change in my life for Jesus. And I want to do what he does. And so that, that moment was a significant bookmark in his life where he went on this journey of following Jesus to became, become a person who gets to do what Jesus does. Now, there's, there's some other great stories wrapped around, but, but the other one that I do want to just quickly share with you was, um, and why it influences us here is, and belonging to the Vineyard Movement in particular is this. One night, John was doing this, uh, teaching, and there was a, you know, a great crowd of people there. And this, you know, John was like operating in words of knowledge. He was hearing the Holy Spirit. God was moving through the room in power and he came away from that like, whoo, this is like the best. He was like totally amped up on what God was doing through him into the room, into that meeting. And he gets home and his wife says to him, Carol says to him, John, don't ever do that again. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? Didn't you see God was doing all this stuff? And, and she basically said, John, when you do this, on your own, only you get to be the expert and no one else gets to participate. Don't ever do that again. And from, from that, John heard the heart of God, that what he was doing was meant to be for everyone. And same with, G you know, he was hearing the call of Jesus to the ministry of Jesus. And perhaps one of the greatest distinctives that we have here in the vineyard is that we are a people who are given to the idea and the practices and the lifestyle of doing what Jesus does. Um, one of our favourite pieces of scripture is Ephesians 4 in verses 12 and 13 where Paul's been writing to the Ephesians church about um, how God has given the church all of these ministries, teaching, equipping, uh, pastoring, you know, prophetic ministry, apostolic ministry. Um, I've missed one of them. But there was about five of them listed there. And, uh, and then the, the, the functionality of why God's gifted the church with all of these people, particular ministries. And it's this, to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of God. I love 
being a part of a group of people who are willing to actually place themselves in a, in a moment and in relationships and in circumstances where we are marked by two things. One is courage, where courage sounds like this. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, you better turn up because if you don't turn up, I'm going to look really ordinary here. Oh God, oh God, oh God, please come because unless you turn up, nothing's going to change. That's what courage looks like, stepping into that space bold enough to say, oh God, unless you come, unless your kingdom's going to come in this moment, in this space, in this person, then oh God, Nothing else is going to change. And the other is where we're willing to risk. And that's how one of the ways that Wimber spelt faith, R-I-S-K, where we find ourselves belonging to a group of people that no matter how difficult the situation, how risky the situation, God is making us to be a people who will join Jesus in those moments and in those spaces as awkward and as challenging and as out of our depth as they feel. Has God ever led you into a space where you feel like, I am way out of my depth here and I just don't know what to do and you're left with that prayer, oh God, please bring your kingdom. I'm going to, by faith, lean into you and your good rule and reign. Recently, Nicole and I were at a function and we caught up with some people that we hadn't seen for many, many years. And within a few minutes of conversation with us, they quickly started to recount to us some of the time that they had spent here when we had run a series of workshops that uh, on the kingdom of God and the healing ministry of Jesus. And they shared with us, they belonged to another church, another part of the body of Christ, and they came and they just participated in these workshops that we were running on how to heal the sick and follow Jesus into those spaces. And they shared with us how that was a most exciting moment, an exciting time for them. And they were still carrying on from what they had learnt then. And I'm talking about this is like maybe, this is like over 10 years ago, this particular person that we trained. And they were still like, that still fuels my activity today in, in following Jesus into these spaces. They shared how it was a great empowering moment for their discipleship journey with Jesus. And just a little heads up, there'll be some details out soon when the next workshop is here at the Vineyard again on how to heal the sick and follow God into those spaces. You see, we love to see people equipped to do what Jesus is doing as he brings the Father's good rule and reign into the earth even as it is in the heavens. Now, um, a key for us, a key scripture in, in, is, is that Ephesians 4 scripture for us. And there's a one word in there where it says uh, mature. Mature. If you feel like you've got the, the ministry of Jesus nailed, well, good on you, you're mature. <laughs> but for me who's been at this for 20-something years now, I am still growing and I am still learning and I'm still a keen like, God, teach me more. I want to be able to do this with 
greater effect and greater influence that you might you might receive glory people might get set free and I'll come into greater joy as well God's calling his church and in particular our church here at the vineyard to grow up and not just grow old there's a fresh move of the spirit going on all across our country and God's calling people to partner with him God is calling people out of passive living and into living the life that Jesus has won for them as King, as Saviour, as Lord. Come and join God in what God's doing instead of calling God to constantly come and sit on the bench with you, come and join him on the field of life. Come and join him. One of the things I love about the scriptures is it's full of these kind of stories where God takes people, everyday people like you and me, and he makes them into the ones who are going to be the front line of his ministry. You see, God's not looking for spiritual experts. He's looking for disciples. And a disciple is a student. A disciple is someone who's willing to be taught. Um, I was sharing earlier that in Western Australia when I was over there, um, one of the evenings I was there, I met in this home... Uh, it was kind of down that way and I can't really even remember the name of the town I was in. <laughs> and anyway, there was these about 20 people and about as many children. We all jammed into this house and people just brought guitars, keyboards, um, food and it started at about 5 o'clock and it finished at about 12.30 in the morning. And we ate and we worshipped and we ate and we worshipped and we ate and we worshipped and prayed and worshipped and ate. And anyway, it just went on for hours. And these people, they were, they came, they come from this, um, space where they live geographically very far from each other. It's not like they can, you know, three minutes and we'll jump in the car and we can be at so and so's house for a quick feed. To get together for a feed means, all right, that's an hour and a half's drive, you know, or it's a three-hour drive in from wherever. So they live geographically very isolated from each other. So when they come together and meet up, they have like a serious amount of hunger when they get together because they're coming out of the isolation that their geography has placed over their lives. And they've come into this place of fellowship and community and friendship where God is at the centre of it and they are like just off the charts excited to be with each other. And they don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like, they don't care who's dressed in whatever. It's like we are together. And there, there is a desperation and a hunger to be together. And when they're together like that in those moments, I believe that God honours that, sincerely honours that spiritual hunger and he honours that with his presence. During this time when I was with them the other night, um, many of them took that, we took that turn. You remember, you know, you might go to a home group or whatever where there's the hot seat 
Have you ever been like there's always the hot seat where someone sits in the hot seat and they become the focus of the of the prayer for the next sort of 15, 20 minutes and people prophesy and stuff like that? Who's had a go in a hot seat? Put your hand up if you've been in a hot seat. Who's never been in a hot seat? All right, well, today might be your day. You might be in the hot seat. But they took turns at being in this hot seat and I got to about... I got to about 11 o'clock and I was like really tired. I was exhausted. And they still had, you know, at least another 10 people that they wanted to put in the hot seat. And they weren't leaving until everyone had been in the hot seat, including myself. And I was the last one in the hot seat. But they they just loved the fact that they could be together. And they didn't care how long it took or how late it went. They wanted every single person to have an encounter with Jesus. And there was, there was a couple, there was a couple there whose, whose, um, life was, their, their relationship was deeply, deeply broken and fractured. And yet in the context of this sort of seven hours or eight hours or whatever it was we were together, it felt like days. But they were like, this couple had an encounter with God. And they began, a new, it was like a new day had dawned for them. It was like the kingdom had come for them. It was like Jesus had touched them. And they, they started to encounter God's love. It was a beautiful thing to be a part of. And none of these folk would, would in any way categorize themselves as spiritual experts. They were just hungry people, followers of Jesus, giving this thing a red-hot go. Here we are, God. It's now or never. This is all you've got, me. And they just put themselves into that space, and it was incredible to see how God backed that with his power. It's super encouraging to see everyday Australians having a go at what Jesus does. Everyday Aussies having a go at what Jesus does. You don't have to look like you're a Hebrew. You don't have to look like you're some, from somewhere else, some other. You, just who you are, the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians 2.10, having a red-hot go at following Jesus. I love that. I think that's incredibly, you know, there's no cookie cutter in that. There's no, you've got to wear the right shirt, the right shoes, You've got to have the right inflection when you say the word Jesus. None of that. None of that. That's all just religion. That's the stuff that puts a stink up God's nose. He loves people being who they are and how he has made them to be a reflection of his great glory as the image bearers of God having a red-hot go at this. Some of these folk, they were like so nervous because unfortunately when I walk into the room, the whisper had gone around town. The national director of the Finian movement's coming to our house. The whisper had gone around. And so they had all of this junked-up idea of what a national director of a movement of churches would look like. They had their picture of that. They had their thoughts of that. They had their history of that. They had like someone who's important coming and it was just me. It was just me. Kirk Delaney following Jesus. Well, at the end of this night, there was this one particular guy. His name was Brad. 
at the end of the night, it was so, it was such an empowering night. At one point, I was just in the kitchen helping to do some cleaning up because it was like worship was going on, cleaning up was going on, people, it was just like this big thing going off all night and I was doing some cleaning up and it was a small space helping a few people and anyway, someone started singing to Jesus and then before you know it, my heart just got unlocked and I couldn't, I just couldn't hold back my love for Jesus and the way that I expressed that was I just had to lie down on the floor, face down, because I knew Jesus was in the room. So I just lay on the floor of the kitchen and people just kept washing up around me and also so and I was just a wreck under the goodness of God and his love for me. And he started giving me his heart for people that I don't even know. And he started just completely blowing me away with his love. And in the midst of all of that, I was just trying to be me, trying to follow Jesus, trying to hear his voice, speaking his love to people that I have no idea who they were. And at the end of this night, this one bloke, he's a, he's a big, burly, regional Aussie bloke. And he just comes up to me and he goes, you. And I'm thinking, oh, look out, here we go. He says, you. He says, you're the real deal, mate. And then he started to tell me all about his history of, of just brokenness with relationship to the church. And without saying a word, I didn't say a word to him in that as he was unpacking. And he just said, I just want to say thank you for being the real deal because in your little visit here of lying on that kitchen floor, that healed my heart towards the people of Jesus and the church. I'm just like, Thank you, God. God places the lonely and the broken in family. The scriptures tell us that. This is what I love about who God's called us as a, as a movement of churches, as a vineyard to be. People who are willing to just have a red-hot go and who are known not necessarily for their being spiritual experts, but just like in the book of Acts, In Acts chapter 4, it says that when they, that is the Sadducees, who were like the, they were like the spiritual kind of elite or the upper echelon of, of society, you know, they, they were also responsible for looking after the temple of God. And so they kind of held that with esteem. And, but they also saw themselves as, you know, we are up here and you are here down there. They had that kind of framework about who they were. But when they had seen the courage of Peter and John, now they're speaking back about what happened in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter and John stand up and start proclaiming into the public place, hey, God has brought his kingdom with Jesus and the Spirit you see being poured out is God's fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 and Isaiah and what he said he would do through the prophets as and then they started healing people and hundreds and in fact thousands got added to the church in that time in that little window of time they were astonished and they realized that these people I love these two words were unschooled and ordinary now don't hear that as 
idiots and non-skilled. That's not what they're saying. Because if you look at the disciples, all of them had incredible skill sets in their particular areas of vocation and calling and life skill sets. Don't hear unschooled. What they're saying when they're saying unschooled is actually these, these guys, when they grew to be a certain age, they didn't go on with the religious training like the Sadducees had. These guys decided at that point, no, I'm going to be in a vocation of my family line, be it fishing or even be it tax collecting. Doesn't matter. They went off into their, their vocational callings in life. But they were unschooled. In other words, they hadn't, they hadn't been to like the top end of graduating university. They'd come through schooling and had gone off into their vocations. They weren't idiots. They just weren't schooled like the Sadducees were. And they were ordinary. You know those days when you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror and go, gee, I, I look ordinary today. At best. Yeah, just ordinary. But the thing that distinguished them, the thing that distinguished them for the Sadducees to observe this was that that, that they had been with Jesus. I I want to belong to a church. I want to belong to a movement of people where that's what they say. Oh, those guys at PRV at the vineyard. Those guys the vineyard, they're an ordinary bunch. But man, Jesus is among them. They do what Jesus does. That's one of the things that really drives deeply in, in Nicole's and my heart and the roots of this place here at the vineyard. Let me just quickly jump onto this next bit here. The expanding ministry of Jesus. The scriptures clearly paint for us a picture of how this, of how Jesus invites his kingdom to be given to others to advance with him. So often in the news, we, um, we as Australians, we see people being interviewed and there's always this comment about, usually it's about our elected representatives, um, like they are so out of touch. They are so out of touch. They have got no idea on what it actually is like to try and do daily life here in the burbs or in the field of vocation that I'm in. They got, or as a single parent or as a young family, they got no idea. They're making all of these legislative decisions. It's like they got no idea. And what they're expressing in those statements is that there is a gap between the theory of what the legislation is supposed to be providing and the actual life experience. There's a gap. And it's been the story of the church as well. There's been a very big gap between what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and actually living the life of being a disciple of Jesus. Our nation is really hungry at the moment for sincere spiritual encounter and family and community. The other week, Dave Hockey, who was sharing here last weekend, um, we uh, well, actually, it was just before Christmas, we grabbed an Uber together and we uh, took off over to this little craft brewery over at Banyo for an end-of-year 
um, beer together and to reflect on all that God's done in our lives over the last 12 months. And uh, anyway, we're only like a couple of minutes into the drive and of course our young Uber driver says to us, what do you do? I'm like, well, okay, here we go. I, I pastor a church. In fact, I help a whole bunch of churches right around Australia. Um, and he, you know, he sort of asked a few more leading questions. What's that like? What's it? And so on and so on. And he asked about Dave and Dave said, well, I'm a chaplain in a high school and I help other chaplains, um, around Australia with their, their work that they're doing and, and, uh, because I have a heart for young people and their well-being. And anyway, before you know it, we're in this incredible conversation with this 25-year-old young man. He tells us his story. He's, he's living with his partner. They've just come back from Sydney. They can't stand the busyness of Sydney and they've come back to Brisbane to live and, um, he's finishing his engineering degree and so on and so on. But out of this young man's mouth was nothing about prove to me the existence of God. Nothing. What he did ask us was, can there be real community in our country? That was on the forefront of his heart. Not about the existence of God. I asked him, I said, I thought, I want to get some backstory here. So I asked him, do you you grow up in a church? He said, I went to, uh, you know, mass a little bit as a young fellow. I went to a Catholic school when I grew up. And so kind of grew up in some, 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 um, you know, spiritual dynamics there. But he said, um, none of it was for me. So he had some framework of a God conversation there. But the forefront issue was not does God exist, is God real? For him it was can there be such a thing as a community of people? And we unpacked our story and said, well, we couldn't be doing our life without the people of Jesus. And we're so thankful to God for them. We here at the Vineyard are committed to helping people not just, well, we want to see them grow up be lifelong learners of the kingdom and become a part of the fellowship of believers. And this is an expanding ministry. Jesus started with three, Pete, James and John. He, he was intimate with these three characters. He shared closely with them. And then around that, he had another 12. Or well, those guys were a part of that, 12. But they had tw- he had a group of 12 where they would journey together, they would walk together, they would talk together. Jesus would teach them on the side, well, this is what was going on in that situation and so on. He would mentor them and so forth. Um, And then I was going to read that Luke 9, 1 and 2. Oh, here it is, Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power, he gave them authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick, to proclaim the good news and to do the good news. Power and authority. Jesus is not interested in the spiritual elite. He's after those that will come with him on the journey. And he will give you his authority and power. He didn't just give it to the 12. Because hot on the tail of that, in Luke 10, he gives it to the 72 There's an expanding reality to what God is doing here. Is the kingdom expanding in your life right now? I think that word that Scott had this morning 
was just a sincere word from God to say, hey, I'm going to smash through everything that is preventing my kingdom expanding through you. Everything that we've become familiar with, everything that we're willing to put up with, everything that we've given up on, God is like, no, no, I'm going to put my shoulder into that because there is a kingdom expansion to take place through our lives. So 72, um, then we see in Acts 1, there's 120 now waiting in the room for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And then we see in Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit's being poured out, and then it says 3,000 people were added that day. God is into the expanding work of his kingdom in the earth, just like it is in the heavens. And there is a very ordinary me and an ordinary you in that expanding work. Now hear me when I say ordinary. Don't hear it with, oh, I knew it. I'm just a blob. No. This means we are the very unique people that God has made us to be. And in the eyes of people, that's a very ordinary, but it's accessible because there's loads of brads out there just waiting for some someone that's sincere enough to be who they really are towards them. Jesus is continuing to pour out his Holy Spirit on people in power as they respond to the good news of his kingdom now being here. And as the people of Jesus, we get to join him in doing his ministry in everyday life circumstances. There's three things. There's a, there's a little booklet I had for a number of years and I revisit it regularly. It's written by a guy called Randy Fisk. And Randy is a really highly intelligent guy, lives in Chicago, belongs to a little vineyard church there in Chicago. And he's written this booklet and, and, and it's called Our Calling to an Extraordinary Ministry in Extraordinary Times. And he says there's a few characteristics about the people of Jesus in this season uh, that God is working at. And it's simply these. God's looking for a people who would minister like Jesus. They would share the message of Jesus that God's kingdom is here for everyone and that we would seek to do the works of Jesus, again establishing that God's kingdom is here. Minister like Jesus. Don't minister. Please don't minister like Benny Hinn. Please don't minister like John Wimber. Please don't minister like Trent Jacobs. Please don't minister like me. Minister like Jesus. You following Jesus. Please. Minister like Jesus. The other characteristics are that they would be a people of authority and identity. In other words, Jesus has authorised us to go and do and say his business. And we do it from knowing that we belong to him. And the final thing that Randy says is really um, an, a hallmark of people who follow Jesus or disciples is tenacity and tension. In other words, we're just like we're just going to stick at this till we see the kingdom come in those moments where it doesn't look like the kingdom. We're just going to hold that space till the kingdom comes, no matter how awkward, how tense. 
how difficult that is. We're the people that step into that space. Did you realise that Jesus has invited you into an ever-expanding reality of his love touching people across our nation and even people beyond our nation? He is inviting you to live a kingdom life because there are so many stories of his kingdom among us that the world needs to hear. And he's not looking for spiritual experts. He's just looking for disciples. Maturity isn't about knowing the right things. Maturity is knowing him and living like him. It's all about being in relationship with him for his glory, for the sake of the world and for the joy of all people. PRV, to be the people of Jesus who through a lifestyle of worship and mercy draw people into intimacy with Jesus Christ and to be the people of Jesus who through a loving relationships heal and equip every disciple to advance the kingdom of God both here in Pine Rivers and to the world. I'm really glad that you guys are here for the ride. Really sincerely glad that you're here for the ride. And we'll continue to do everything we can to equip you to heal the sick, drive out demons, care for the poor, and to proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord. All righty, let's, uh, let's pray. Do you want to stand up? We're going to pray. Let's stand and pray.